Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Simple Church. My name is Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, you guessed it, today we are going to talk about sex. My favorite part of that video I've decided after watching it twice is that she says, it's not even our anniversary. Like, (laughs) it's great. If if it's a once a year thing, it's probably not enough, okay? Can we all pray and be dismissed? Amen. No, welcome today. If it's your very first time here today, we say thank you. Can we give a round of applause to our guests and make them feel welcome? Thank you so much for being here today. As Tim said, when you came in, you should have got a t-shirt. If you didn't get that, when you leave, just go, there's a counter right up here outside the door. Slap your hand on it and say, I want my free t-shirt, and we'll give it to you, okay? All right, cool. Today is a great day, so not only are we continuing our our series in, uh, in, in this love song series, uh, but we are after service today, we are doing baptisms. We have four people uh, that are going to be getting baptized, so we invite you to stay. Uh, we'll, we'll do it immediately following service. So, and if you are considering getting baptized, if you don't have any clothes with you, I will throw you an extra t-shirt so that you can jump in the tank, but the rest is up to you. So you may, may be going home wet in this cold weather. So but anyway, uh, if you want to do that, so we call those spontaneous baptisms. So you can be sitting there thinking about that today if you'd like to join in. All right? Amen. So we are in this song of songs followed by, that is following a tremendous love story of a couple. And we've been walking through the progression of the relationship between them for the last couple weeks. And before we go any further, I want to answer something that I know that you're all wondering where I stand on this particular subject. You've been looking at it all week long on Facebook, and I'm just going to clear it up for you. The dress is white and gold, okay? That's our culturally relevant part of the service today, and now we move forward, all right? Now, today we're going to talk about the intimate side of the relationship that we've been exploring, but, begin, but before we begin, if you're joining us for the first time uh, since we've started this series, we want you to understand the goal of this whole series um, and, and why, we're, why we're doing it, okay? And that goal is found, of course, in the opening verses of the book, The Song of Songs, and uh, there are several voices that speak throughout this book, and I've color-coded them up on the screen, and I'll, I'll tell you what they are now. If When you see the green letters, it is the girl speaking. It's the, the Shunammite woman that Solomon loves. Uh, when you see blue, it is Solomon speaking, and then when you see pink, it's this choir or this chorus of women that are, are chanting about and, and, and excited about the love that these two are experiencing, okay? And so we're going to begin in verse one, chapter 1, verse 1, and it says, Solomon's Song of Songs. Essentially, this is Solomon's jam, okay? Now, we know from the Bible that Solomon wrote over 1,005 different songs. This one happens to be his number one hit. So he declares that in the opening statement. And you'll see that she speaks, and she says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you. What she's using is, she's using some some poetic words here to describe the way that he loves her because essentially the way that he loves her is greater than anything she's ever experienced. She is excited about the way that he treats her, the way that he, he makes her feel. 
is wonderful. And because of that, she's saying, not only, not only do I beam with this love that you're giving to me, that everybody else is seeing it. It's this perfume poured out that now everybody can see. And no wonder all the maidens love you. Essentially, Solomon made her feel so amazing that every woman wanted to be with Solomon and every guy wanted to be Solomon. So that's our goal of this series. Now, ladies, it's not so that every woman would want your husband. It is so much so that what we want, our goal rather, is that when people look at your relationship, the way that you love one another, they're going to say there is something different about them. The way they love each other is something like I've never seen before, and that's something that I've got to have. And essentially what that is, is we are learning to do things God's way, that's what we get to introduce them to, right? And so Jesus said in John 13, 35, he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. In other words, we are apprentices of Christ. That means we do what he does. He says, we'll know, you'll know that they will know, the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, this is a principle that we get to carry over into every single part of our lives, into all of our relationships, not just at work, not just on the, on the job or out in the community, but in our homes, and especially, as we're going to look at today, towards each other in our relationship, in our marriage relationship, okay? The way that you love each other should be the shiny, the thing that everybody is drawn to. You guys are doing it completely different, okay? All right, so that's our goal in the series, is to learn to love each other in such a way that the world looks and says, I got to have that. I got to have that. Also, today is your first day. Uh, we're the, this is the third week that we're in this study. The first week we talked about the uh, art of attraction. And uh, you can get on our website at mysimplechurch.com. You can listen to all the podcasts. You can, you can hear what we've been talking about just briefly to cover it. We followed the relationship about how they started, uh, what drew them to each other in the first place. And uh, the, the godly characters and, and principles that they were following in their lives that drew, drew them to each other. That said, man, you're the one I got to have. And then the second week, we talked about the dating process. And, and really what we did was we identified what a lot of you walked out of here going, that's so old-fashioned, that'll never work. We, we looked at doing this dating relationship through preparation and, and keeping ourselves uh, in, in an honorable, honorable way before God. And, uh, and so we, we looked at how we have really lost what that dating process looked like, and we've, we've kind of let the world dictate how we do it now, and we, we learned a, way, a new way to do it last week. And I want to say this for those of you that walked out of here last week and said, that, that way is so old-fashioned, Aaron, I'll never, I'll never get involved with that, I'll never do that. Let me, let me just say something to you. Ladies, when you hear an old-fashioned love story, how does it make you feel inside? Does your heart not skip a beat? It makes you real happy, and you're like, aw, I wish I had that. Well, the good news is, is that you can. You've just got to determine and set boundaries and decide, we're going to do this God's way. That's the old-fashioned way. You can have that kind of relationship. Amen? So all of you singles that are out there, listen to that. It'll be a blessing to you. Now, this week, we get to fast forward through the, uh, through the relationship because what happens next after we end, the, our last verse that we ended, is the wedding night, and, uh, or is the, actually the wedding ceremony itself. And we're going to fast forward right through that. All of you guys, you are welcome because we are not going to describe the ceremony and the service and how beautiful it was. All those gory details are in the book. I encourage you to read them, but we're going to flash right forward through them and jump into the wedding night. So that means we're going to talk about sex, and that's what we're going to talk about today is great sex within the boundaries of marriage, okay? And so here's your warning. If you've got kids in here today, this is going to be PG-13, so you are welcome to take your kids and place them into the children's ministry, but if, but if you want to keep your kid in here, that's fine. I've already told my niece she had to leave, and she stayed, so... Uh, <clears throat> She's old enough anyway. So anyway, so we're going we're gonna, to uh, talk through this, all right? And uh, again, like I said, 
we're going to jump right into the marriage night because here's what, or what happens right after the ceremony for them because the culture was very different then. See, today in our culture, when the, the, the uh, pastor pronounces you man and wife, you walk off the stage and you, everybody cheers for you and you go where? You go to the reception, right? There's a big old party that's thrown and everybody's excited and they're eating and carrying on and merriment and doing the Cupid shuffle and whatever because you have to do that at every wedding reception, right? Or the electric slide for some of you old school people. And so there's this big old party, but during, in their culture, that's not exactly how the party went. There was no party. When they left the altar, they went to a tent that was set up for them that had a marriage bed in it, right? So they could consummate the, the, the wedding at that point, and then there would be a celebration. How many of you are thankful that that is a tradition that has gone by the wayside, right? Amen? Can you imagine the pressure? I mean, people standing outside of the tent, and these are all Jewish people, like, oi vey, are you kidding me? Like, it's, I'm hungry already. Come on, let's get this done with. You know what I mean? I can, just, I can just hear it in my head. I'm Jewish, and I just grew up with that. I know what that sounds like. So, but, uh, <laughs> but we're really thankful it doesn't do that anymore. And so the Bible has much to say about sex, and it's an important part of our marriages. And I believe that's why the world has worked so hard at redefining what marriage is and our sexuality, what it looks like. And we need to remember that the devil is not the one who created sex. He's the one who perverts it, who corrupts it for us, right? Because it's not like God walked into the, to the garden one day and was looking for Adam and Eve and found them rustling behind some bushes. And God's like, oh my me, Adam, what are you doing to her? You know, it's not like God was surprised by sex, they didn't discover it accidentally. Nobody tripped and fell. And like he created sex. And so he's aware of what it's for, what it's there, what it is. And he actually has a purpose and intent for sex. And it's, and it is created to be one of the strongest bonds between a married man and a married woman. And anything outside of that, Every other form of sex outside of that is a counterfeit. You've been sold a lie to believe that that is what it's all about, and it's not. Look, every experience outside of, sexual experience outside of marriage may feel good, uh, but it does not create the spiritual bond that God will bless, the bond that will strengthen the two of you as you walk through difficult times, the, the bond that will be there as you joyfully celebrate occasions in your life, the one, that bond that will draw you in closer together. And the world is working hard to tell you otherwise. In fact, 90% of what we see on TV, and I don't even mean in the movies, I mean just on TV, 90% of the sexual encounters that we see on TV are outside of the bonds of marriage. And the world wants you to think that sex is casual. They want you to think that it's natural, it's okay, it's just a feeling, an urge that you should give into, part of your animal instinct, one that you should follow, and that if you don't follow it, it's really unnatural that you're not doing it because, you know... You're just, you're just an animal after all, right? You're just a mammal. You just need to do this. You should. And they say give in to that. But let me tell you, if you want to like act, act like an animal, if you want to accept that for yourself, that nature, and follow those animal instincts, you're going to wind up on the wall of the enemy as a trophy. That's what's going to happen. I don't know how many of you guys are hunters out there. Do I have any hunters here today? Just a show of hands. Okay, so there's a few of you guys that hunt. There, when you go out and you hunt a deer, or you're hunting buck, these guys are really, really smart, right? That's why you have to, like, dress a certain way. You have to sit really quiet and cover yourself with urine to cover your smell because they are really, really smart, and they're really good at staying alive, okay? It's true. You're laughing, but you guys all do it. And you sit up in this, in this, in this little chair, and you sit, and you wait quiet. The best time to find a buck is when? It's during mating season. Why? Because these really, really smart guys, their animal instincts take over, and instead of smelling you, they got their nose to the ground. <laughs> 
girl, 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 where's the girl, where's the girl? They're looking for the girl. And as soon as they get their head to the ground, wham, they become a trophy on somebody's wall. And I think that's exactly what happens to us, guys. If we let the world reprogram us, all we're going to do is have our nose to the ground looking for that relationship, looking for that sexual encounter, and we are going to wind up as a trophy. The next thing I want you to know is that sex is not an isolated event. The world wants you to think that whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but that's totally not true. Whatever happens in Vegas lives on with you for the rest of your life. That is a truth. And we think we can have these encounters, and we say as long as it's casual, as long as it's, we're consenting adults, as long as it's protected, that it's no big deal. Look, being honest, they don't make a condom for your heart. They just don't do it. There's a spiritual exchange that happens during sex where a piece of each of you is imparted into the other. And this is an incredible mystery that the Bible describes as a one man and one woman becoming one flesh when you, when you have sex together. It's a vital part of the marital process to create the bond of relationship. And so when we do that, side, do that outside of that protection, we start giving pieces of ourselves away to people. So it isn't this isolated event that the world would like you to believe. It is. You are literally giving yourself a piece of yourself away every time you have a sex, a casual encounter with somebody, okay? And that is lifelong. That is permanent. So much so that the Bible says that people that commit sexual sin, what is sin? Sin is just missing the mark. God's intended purpose for something, right? That's what that is. When we commit sexual sins, we are actually sinning against our own bodies. We are misusing and abusing ourselves when we do this. Now, having said that, I realize I'm not talking to a room full of virgins. I know that we've all messed this up in some way, in some fashion, in some form. And so you need to be free today. I don't need to just sit in your hang in your head today because we're all forgiven and we're all free as long as you're a follower of Christ and you have, you have repented of your sins. But repenting of your sins, repenting of living a life that way means turning away from it. It means we're going to accept God's way of doing it and going forward because Jesus would not have you condemned. He would not have you hanging your head in shame about what you have done. He would say, you're forgiven, but going forward, sin no more. And so that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at doing things a different way, to learn to do things God's ways and be committed to them. Amen? So we're going to pick up our story, and we're reframing our perspective about sex. Now, I want you to notice that up until now, uh, as we've talked over the last couple of weeks, that she has done most of the talking, which is very average in every marriage, okay? The woman is going to do the majority of the talking. But now we're going to see that flip, and we're going to see that he does most of the talking, okay? All right. We are in Song of Songs, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. It says, How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. So essentially what he's doing is he is describing her, okay? He's beginning from uh, the top of her head, and he's going down her body. And, uh, and he's, when he talks about this flock of goats, you may, this may not be a great thing to talk about your, your, your lady friend, but you understand that, that the flock of goats, that her hair was black, and so she's letting it down, and he's describing it like a flock of goats coming down off the mountain, and, uh, and you know, I don't know if you remember or not, or if you've, you've even gone or been married yet, but on my wedding night, when my, ha- my wife let her hair down, she had so many bobby pins in her hair, it was ridiculous that the marriage bed was covered with them, and I was like a monkey pitting, picking nits out of her head looking for bobby pins, you know, so it was a crazy process. So, so her letting her hair down was, was, was not an easy thing, but this is also a sign of intimacy because a, a woman at that time would have let her hair down only for her lover, okay? And so he's, he's addressing that and like, wow, this looks great. He's probably seeing it for the very first time. And, uh, <clears throat> and so essentially her letting her hair down lets him know, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready. 
So he continues on. He says, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn coming up from the washing. Essentially, he's excited she's brushed her teeth. All right, carry on. (laughs) He says, about her teeth, he says, each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. So essentially, we know she's not from Kentucky or a hockey player because she's got all of her teeth. And, uh, and he continues on and says, your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built with elegance. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. So he's not just saying, hey, you're beautiful. He's, he's describing this regalness, this stately quality about her. He's saying, you're a classy lady. And what he's doing is telling her verbally how he feels about her. And this is an important part of great sex. Because we need to know, first of all, that great sex is affirming. Look, he doesn't touch her. He doesn't, begin to, he doesn't actually have sex with her until verse 11. He doesn't, he, doesn't get, he doesn't do that because he understands what all of us guys in this room need to understand. And that is that women have something called the ear gate, right? Guys have something called the eye gate where what we see turns us on or gets us ready. But women have something called the ear gate. In other words, what they hear is what what gets them excited, what makes them ready for their lover, okay? And so words of affirmation, telling your woman how you feel about her and how they are attractive to you as a man, it it actually is what gets them all fired up. It gets them ready. So we need to be careful, guys, about the words that we speak because I would say that we do more damage in our relationships than we actually intend to sometimes, right? Like, look, here's this question that always gets asked, and it is a trap. Warning, guys, are you listening to me? It is a trap. When she comes to you and says, do these jeans make me look fat? Look, it's not about the genes. She doesn't actually need an answer about the genes. No matter how you answer, if you answer about the genes, you are in trouble. Do you know the question she's actually asking me, asking you is, will you love me no matter how I look? That's what she's asking you. And when you look at her and say, baby, you look good in everything or nothing, whatever, this is affirming her. This is what she's looking for. This is how she needs, she needs to feel your love, okay? So guys, we need to affirm her 100% of the time because we can really mess up this relationship if we aren't affirming her with the words of our mouth, all right? And this works both ways. It's not just women that need to hear it. Guys need to hear it because, see, my wife, she lights up like a Christmas tree when I begin to describe how much I love, how she loves me, and, and the way that she treats me, or, or how much I love her and, 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 and her physical features. Like all the, When I do those things, she lights up, but I do as well when she tells me that I'm handsome and, and that I'm her boyfriend and these kind of things. Like I love that kind of stuff, right? I really, really do. And so we need to be intentional about how we do this. Look, it doesn't have to just be the words of your mouth. The words of your mouth can also be penned. You can write them down on a post-it note, leave them on their steering wheel or on the window of of their car or or, uh, on the mirror or send them a text message. Look, your words, the words of your mouth can also be the words in a text message. So let's be affirming to each other. If you want to have great sex, great sex is affirming. Now we get a little racy. We move on to verse 5. He says, your two breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. Essentially, he's working his ways down her body. And guys, if you've ever hunted before, you know that if there are fawns out in front of you, that if you jump out and go, what happens to the fawns? They run away, right? And so what we need to know is that great sex is tender. Great sex is tender. So as Solomon moves through this process, he understands that this is something that needs to be thoughtful, that it needs to be tender, and that it needs to be slowed down. This is not a race to the finish. 
and he understands that. When it comes to sex, I would say that men are more, are more like microwaves, right? Take a hot dog, throw it in a microwave, 30 seconds later, we're ready to go. That's a good meal there. For, for women, though, women are more like a crock pot, okay? You take some ribs, you take some barbecue sauce, you put them in, you turn the crock pot on, and you let it cook all day long. But by the end of the day, man, the meat just falls right off of those bones, and it is wonderful, right? So all of the suggestions I'm making, you can clearly understand here, okay? It is exactly what you think I'm saying. <laughs> what that means is that if you want to have great sex, guys, we have to prepare her, okay? If you're using affir- words of affirmation, that's great, but those words aren't the few sweet things that you say two minutes before You'd like to have sex. This needs to begin all day long. Foreplay is an all day long process. It begins in the beginning. She needs to know and hear how you feel about her all day long. All day long. So let me just try to help you out a bit. Here's a principle for relationships in general. And that is that that one of the perversions of the world has brought into our sexual relationships. Because everything that the world introduces to us is self-gratifying. It is uh, it is self-serving. It is selfish, right? That's what, all that they give us, and they translate into the sexual exchange that the world tries to teach us. But everything that God has created is intended to be a selfless expression of love, that you're actually thinking about the interest of the other person as you do something. And if you live your relationships this way, where you are not interested in what you can get from them, but more what you can do for them or how you can serve them, then I promise you that every single one of your needs will be met One of my favorite authors, Zig Ziglar, says says it this way. You can have everything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want. And that's the truth. And this principle also carries over into the bedroom and great sex in marriage. When you approach it with an attitude of being concerned about your lover's needs in the bedroom, I promise you that every single one of your needs will be met as a result. So, guys, take it slow. Be tender. The verse continues on and says, Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of incense. Now, there's a couple things here in this spicy little passage. He says first, basically, he says, Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, he's telling her, We're going to do this all night long. All night long. All night. All night long. All night. Yeah, you got it? Okay, so basically he wrote Lionel Richie's song for him is what I'm trying to say, all right? And, uh, and so he's cleared his schedule. There's no pressure to be anywhere else. He doesn't care about the people outside of the tent waiting on him to go eat. He's like, look, I'm here, and I'm here just for you. He's letting her know he's going to take his time. There's no rush, no pressure, nothing else to do. So if you want better sex, you need to remove the pressure, the constant time restraints, especially if you are parents of young children. Look, if you've got kids, I would encourage you to make Make time with your partner, alone time with your spouse, a priority. You need to do that. You say, well, Aaron, how do I do that? They're always at me. You know, they're always at the door. Look, put your kids to bed. Make them have a bedtime. Like, this is a really practical solution to this issue. My kids have gone to bed. When they were younger, they went to bed at 7 o'clock. As they got older, they went to bed at 8. Now, they're 13, and they still go to bed at 9 o'clock. I mean, that is my reserved alone time with my wife. And we get an hour to two hours together. And we can do whatever we need to during that time. We remove the time restraints. Make it a priority. <clears throat> and when you have this time set aside, you can make promises like Solomon did. Hey, look, he says, we're going to the mountaintop. And he says, we're going twice. 
Okay, I'm just that's the mountaintop and the hill. So he promises it twice. So it's a big promise. So the third thing you need to know about great sex is that it is passionate. It is passionate. We need to recover the passion. You're here all the time. People talk about in the relationships. Well, we just fell out of love. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna address something really quick. You can't really fall out of love. Love is not a ditch that you fell into in the first place. Love is something that you created. By, by working at it, right? It is a relationship that you created. Love is an intentional choice that you make, and the fire that burns the hottest is where you put the fresh logs, okay? I don't know how many of you guys enjoy a good fire, but if you have a fire pit in your backyard, or maybe you just got a burn spot where you created a fire spot in your backyard, but a lot of them, this is very popular nowadays to just have a, a fire ring, and, and the family gathers around it, and you cook your hot dogs, or any, any imaginable form of s'mores, bless God, over the fire pit, right? And my family is no different. We love to do this in the cool of the evening. But the problem with the fire is not really the fire itself. It's actually getting the fire started for me. I don't know how many of you guys struggle with this, but I, I certainly do. Uh, I, I've got a Boy Scout training, and I can build the thing up and make the TP, and I can twist the papers. And we even have toilet paper rolls, and we stuff them with the lint from our, our dryer, right? So this is like it would ignite a lot faster. Somebody says this is the great way to do it. I'm serious. It works, but not for me. But not for me. I actually use those starter logs that you can, like, put in a fireplace, right? I have to cheat. I, like, hide it so nobody sees that I do it, you know? But I, I do that. And what's amazing is, is that even when I can't get things to work, like using gasoline, that's really cool to do that. We've done that before. And that is just, just this big thing. The neighbors come running out, like, are you okay? We're like, yeah, we're awesome. The fire dies out. My wife can come by behind me within a minute and have the thing going. I have no idea what that's about. So I'm not really a very manly man, I guess. I just can't start a fire. So, but what, the, the thing with a fire is when you start a fire, you have to keep adding logs to it in order for the fire to keep going. The work that you put into it in the first place is what you have to keep on doing in order for the fire to keep going. Does this make sense? And so we need to take a better approach into the passion of our marriages that we would put the same effort here as we do into everything else. We pour our passion into our careers. We pour our passion into our education, into our hobbies, into our children. But when it comes to our marriage, and especially our, 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 our sex life in our, uh, with, with our marriage partners, we just we don't pour anything else into it. We, we give nothing, and then we wonder why our marriages are falling apart. So I challenge you, find a way to toss another log on the fire of your relationships with your spouse. Guys, look, here's a quick hit. Quick hint. Here's what you can do. Give her flowers on a day that is not her birthday, Valentine's Day, or your anniversary. To give her flowers on any other day for no particular reason, just because. That's the way you do that, right? And also, if you want to, like, heighten that experience, give it to her in front of her friends. Like, take it to her at work or if there's a party, give her flowers in front of people because if you just give her flowers when she comes home, she goes, oh, these are really nice, thank you. But if you give it to her in front of other women, they go, oh, my gosh, you are so lucky. I'm so jealous. And, like, your stock just went through the roof. So, guys, there's a, there's a helpful hint. Some of you are going to get pushed back and you say, well, I don't have the money for flowers. That's fine. Look, you can find ways to do nice things for them to toss a log onto the fire. Uh, Valentine's Day this year, my wife and I, we, we don't really celebrate Valentine's Day like everybody else does. You know, I, I'm not really a Hallmark holiday kind of guy. I'm like, really? We're just really practical people. We, we generally will go to dinner. Uh, I know to get her flowers. I don't miss that one, okay? That doesn't mean you don't get her flowers. You, you do that. And I know Valentine's Day was on a Saturday. That's why I took them to her on Friday at work, right? Because you don't want to miss that. That thing we just talked about? Okay. All right. 
So this year, I, I took him to her at work and delivered him to her, and, and, um, and we went to dinner on Thursday night because we didn't want to be out with the crowds. We wanted to actually be able to talk to each other and enjoy each other's company. But I didn't even get her a card, but she, she didn't even get me one either. She printed off like several pages off the internet of some sci-fi Valentine thing, and it was hilarious, and it was, it was adorable. It was just for me. It was perfect. She didn't go get a card with somebody else's words in it. She got something that meant something to me. She tossed a log on my fire. Didn't cost her anything except what it cost to print it, right? She spent very little money to do that. And then for me, I, I, I don't usually get her a gift for Valentine's Day, but this year I wanted to surprise her. And so there's this song that she likes by Garth Brooks, and she loves when I sing. Now, I'm not a singer. You hear me up here goofing and having fun, but I'm not a singer. And I'm, I, would not, I would not ever tell you that I would grab a microphone and sing this song for you. But she loves it when I sing it. And so this Valentine's Day, I surprised her. I tried to learn the song on guitar, but it was kind of beyond me. So I just got a karaoke track, and I laid down the vocals. And I put it on a CD, and I gave her a little message. And when we were driving in the car, I started hitting play, and she hears the song play. And she goes, oh, that's great. And then she hears my voice, and she hears my message to her. And she looks over, and she goes, how did you get your voice to come through the speakers in your car? I said, ta-da. And then the song started playing, and it was me singing. And it was this moment. I tossed a log on, our, on, on the fire of our, of our love. And now, this is the gift that keeps on giving because she's got a CD and she can play it anytime she wants to, which does not mean that you get to ask her to play it for you, okay? All right. But look, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. In fact, if you talk to my wife, you'll know. She'll tell you that I'm not perfect. If you spend any time with me, you will learn that I'm not perfect. But I am passionate about my relationship with my wife and finding simple ways to keep the passion going, okay? So, ladies, let me just tell you this. I've been talking to the guys. Ladies, I want you just to remember one thing. If you want to keep the passion alive, a simple way for your guy is remember his eye gate, okay? This is a very simple thing. You say, well, Aaron, I don't have money for Victoria's Secrets or negligees or things. Look, we don't even care, okay? We don't, clothes are not the, really the issue here. We just want to see, all right? So just, just know that you can do that. My wife thinks the reason that we have a, uh, a nightlight in my bedroom is so that I don't trip on things in the middle of the night, and it is not. It is so that I can see her, okay? So when you come to bed, don't come to bed with six layers of clothing on. Just saying, all right? Use your imaginations. Okay. Verse continues on. Verse 7, it says, All beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. So my question is, how do you see your spouse as flawless, like he just said, as perfect? It's simple. She needs to be the standard in your life for beauty. Look at the world has done to us, guys and girls. It has tried to tell us through the books that we read, through the shows that we watch, through the ads that we see, the, the things that we hear, that there is a body image that 99%, that in 99% of all the cases is just not obtainable, right? And so women and men alike feel this unnecessary pressure that, that cannot be described as anything other than demonic, in my opinion, to look a certain way that isn't really achievable in life. It's just, it's just not real, right? Now, that doesn't mean that you have to let yourselves go and not even try. It means that you need to look your best, but that your spouse needs to be your standard for beauty. Because if we don't, we are allowing in this toxicity, right? For example, I know, I know uh, some of the toxic stuff that couples do. When I talk to them or, or list, just listening to them, they talk about their favorite actor or their favorite actress, right? Oh, he's so fine, and I like to see all the movies with him in it. And really, let me tell you what you're conveying when you have this list of people that are your favorites. You're really letting your spouse know that, you know what, you're really the best that I can do with this body, but if I could be with them, that I, I would be. Right? You, when the, your spouse, when she is not your standard of beauty, it's toxic, and it will destroy 
the relationship. We have to protect our image of beauty and what we find attractive. He or she can't be the best that you can do. He or she needs to be the best, period. She needs to be your best. And you may need to retrain your thoughts. Guys, you need to retrain your eyes. This, can, this comes through prayer. This, I've, I've had a point in my life I had to say, God, give me eyes for just her. Because I had so allowed my mind to be reprogrammed. I said, I need eyes for just her. I need you to change my heart. She needs to be my standard of beauty. Just know that if she's not, you don't need to be under condemnation. You just need to know you can turn with God's help. Amen? Hit that reset button. So we have to protect that. God will be on board, and he'll help you with that, all right? I tell my wife all the time when she and I are talking about somebody, if she mentions that somebody's beautiful or somebody's pretty, I'll agree with her, but I look at her and go, but she's no Shanda. Because, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not stupid. I, I mean, there are beautiful people in this world, but... but no, they're not Shanda. She is the most beautiful woman in the world to me. She is my standard of beauty. So the next thing you need to know is that great sex is secure. Great sex is secure. What he's saying in this verse is, is that, baby, you're the most beautiful woman on the planet. Now, we know from the first chapter that she's not necessarily. So she's, she is um, because she was insecure about her body. And the reason she was insecure about her body is because she's a woman. I don't know why you ladies are broken in this way. No matter how beautiful you are, you think that you are ugly. Even the, the women that People Magazine claims to be the most beautiful women of 2014 or 2015, if you were to talk to them, they, they feel ugly on a regular basis. So I don't know why you are that way, but you all have this body image issue, and you're insecure. And it's important that we men make our women feel safe and secure. And the marriage bed is a place to do just that. Every bit of her needs to be attractive to you, and she needs to know it. And it's true for guys, too. Ladies, you need to know that, that when, you're, when, you're, um, when you're, your man is, is interested in you and expressing desire in you, when you reject him, you are letting him know that you are not returning that desire back to him. So when we, when, when we come on to you and say, hey, baby, how you doing, you know? And you, and you reciprocate that, that makes us feel incredible inside. It's, it's more than just a physical exchange for us. It's an emotional exchange that we need to be desired back. We need to feel safe and secure as well. So I need you to be careful about the temptation. At the end of the day, you know, if you've, you've gone to work and, and you've taken care of the kids, whether you're the husband or the wife in this situation, and, and your spouse is like, you know, there's, they've, they've got some, some berry white playing in the background, and you come into the bedroom, and you're like, I am just so tired. Look, here's your helpful hint. Just get started. You won't be so tired. You won't be so exhausted. Just get started. I'm not in the mood. I don't feel like it. You will. Just get started. That was, that was something that helped my, in my marriage because we had that issue. We heard that from one of our, one of our pastors and people that we looked, at, looked up to. And we said, all right, we'll give that a shot. And it works. So just get started, okay? Denying your man is like giving him the cold shoulder that he would give you by not having conversation with you, ladies. Okay, so, so it's an emotional thing for us, and we need to feel secure by you expressing your desire for us. So when is the right time for, for a man? When does a man most desire sex? Well, I'll tell you, they've done a scientific study, and they've discovered that for men, they most desire sex on days that begin with T. And that is a Tuesday and Thursday. That's uh, today and tomorrow. That's Saturday and Sunday. That's all the days, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Let's continue on. 
Verse, verse 9, he says, You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You've stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine, and the fragrance of your perfume more than any spice. Now, I need you to notice something. He hasn't even touched her yet, and yet they are still in the marriage bedroom. They're the marriage bed. Until verse 11, he says, Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. That is as spicy as you think it is. That, my friends, is a French kiss. So, this was before we even knew that French people existed. And so, God created, or the French kiss. How's that feel? All right, continue on in verse 12. It says, You are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with choice fruits and all the finest spices. You are a garden fountain, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon. Essentially, he's describing how she's kept herself from marriage and how that makes him feel that she has kept herself just for him. And I know there's lots of people in this room who have made lots of mistakes, but holiness is not for people who have never made mistakes. Holiness is for people who are in relationship with Christ. And the Bible says that God makes all things new. So I want to say this to you today. If you're not a virgin, that if you decide to repent of your sins and invite Christ into your life, that he hits a reset button so that he can make you like a virgin again. When you commit to doing things God's way, he makes you brand new, a chance to begin anew. He sets and makes things straight. He frees you from addictions and misaligned thoughts and allows you to come into a relationship in a healthy and whole way. And until you experience God's holiness, you won't have great sex because the last thing you need to know about great sex is that it's holy. Red Book Magazine did a study on sex, and they were shocked to find out something that we already know, and that is that people who were most passionate about their spirituality were far more likely to be satisfied in their sexual relationships and their marriage. Duh. Because they're doing it God's way. And it's something that God blesses, right? Because he invented it and designed it to be a beautiful process that is fulfilled in the marriage covenant. Now, to wrap up today, we finally hear her speak. Now, I want you to remember the last two weeks, she has closed out each service. We've closed out, and she's closed out each chapter with don't awaken love, don't arouse love before it is time. And look and see what she says. Verse 16, she says, Awake north wind and come south wind. Blow on my garden that its fragrance may spread abroad. Let my lover come into his garden. Now, look, you need to remember that the Bible says that when we are given in marriage, that, that our bodies belong to each other. So she's, she's speaking about her body when she says, come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. He's put in the work. He's taken the time. And there's nothing more attractive to a man than his spouse responding to his leading through the process. And guys, if we learn to do it God's way, if we'll learn to make it a safe and secure interaction that is full of God's presence. It is a spiritual thing that takes place. It's beautiful. It's God's intention. It develops a stronger bond in marriage than anything else that we can do together. So how do we end a message like this on sex? Well, it's very simple. James 1.22 says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen? All right, let's pray. Bow your heads close your eyes. <clears throat> Those of you that are being baptized today, I would invite you to uh, step into the next room and prepare. Daniel here will take care of you, but you can move quickly and quietly as we pray. Look, a lot of you here are reprogrammed to see sex in the, law, in the wrong ways, to experience it outside of God's intended purpose. 
And you've taken wounds to your heart by giving yourselves to others in this way. And the Bible promises that God will make all things new in this area to restore you, to heal you, to change you. You can, you can not just have good sex, but you can have great sex. But that starts by involving him in your lives. If you wanted to be counted in on a prayer that begins this journey of walking with God and doing his, things his way, if you want to hit that reset button, if you want to be brand new, if you want to have your marriage restored, then I want you to shoot up your hand. Do it now. Shoot up your hand and say, Aaron, count me in. Aaron, count me in on this prayer. Thank you. I appreciate your hands. You can put them down. Now I'm going to give you the words, and all you have to do is pray them in your heart. But you got to mean it, and you need to know that this is the only, this only begins this process. It, it, it comes with a commitment of turning away from our sinful ways and following after God and doing it his way. Prayer goes like this. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you came and you died and rose again to forgive me of my sins, to make me brand new, to hit the reset button on my heart and my life. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing just that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, Father, I pray for our marriages in this room, Lord, that that they can be affirming. Lord, that we can find safety and security in each other, Lord. And, and Lord, that our, our love lives would be passionate. They would be tender and, more importantly, holy because we're doing them your way. Father, restore our brokenness. Thank you, God, for the gift of sex that you have given us and the bonds that it creates within us. I pray, God, that you would strengthen our marriages as we go forth to be doers of the word. And everyone here present said, amen.